welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio. Actually, it's not really radio, is it? It's, it's more of Practitioner Broadcast. Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT service management community. It is episode 27 for the week ending June 7th, 2012. Hello, Troy Dumoulet. Hey, Chris. How are you doing today? Oh, gosh, it's I'm doing well. Your, your voice sounds very authoritative. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks. I've been in all kinds of meetings and, you know, I've been making decisions. So I'm, I'm in decision mode. <laughs> this is the decision voice. Okay. This is yeah. the, the voice of decision. So since we last chatted, we released some stats to the public on the podcast. And I just wanted to to, to graciously uh, thank you and uh, say I'm humbled that you, you are the number two and number three slot for most streamed. And it was just one where we've got that stat, but overall, you're a very popular, our, our, our show is very popular. You know, that's humbling. I really appreciate the listeners because uh, we enjoy doing this. The fact that you guys are listening even makes it better. Yeah, it makes it. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you and I would do this even if no one listened. <laughs> which, which is kind of you know weird that way. <laughs> yeah, well, we enjoy it. Uh, well, you know, I, I'd say we're, we're, we're rogue ITSM agents. Well, you know, it kind of Logan's run. We got to run before they uh, they call our number. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what that thing was called when, that you go to when they call your number? No. I don't. I remember the movie. It was called Carousel. You went to Carousel. Carousel. That's right. And that it kind of floated, and there was all the yep. lights yeah. and the music, and they all kind of floated and they kind of hit the bug zapper. Yeah, it was funny because in the last episode of American Idol, they had everybody dressed in white, and I tweeted, uh, "Is this American Idol or Logan's Runs Carousel?" Oh well. Uh, practice. <laughs> so after the show, rogue support agents. So you have this great blog, uh, and your body of work, by the way, is, is amazing. Have you ever thought about publishing it? That's another another podcast. But you're we've got a, a blog we're dealing with today, which kind of wraps in to a lot of the conversations going on, on, on online today. Uh, by the way, congratulations on Pink Forum. I finally got a chance to drop in the other day and just could voraciously consumed uh, some of the conversations over there. Yeah, the discussion uh, board is going really well. And with that the pickup for the event, too, is actually very encouraging. So we're looking forward to a great time. It's not going to be a normal thing. It's going to be dialogue around some difficult topics. No, and that's, it's, it's again, you know, Pink is breaking uh, new ground. Um, my, my, only, my only feedback uh, as a former Pinker, well, I think I'm always a Pinker, no, you're always pink in your heart. Um, pink alumni. Yes. Is why do you guys always do these things at the hottest places at the hottest times of year? Well, it's actually, there's a method to that madness. See that? Because you're not going to go out and play golf in August, right, in Arizona. So you're going to come in and you're actually going to participate and uh, play the game with us. Oh. If, you know, we used to do Disneyland. The biggest issue about Disneyland doing conferences there is that halfway into the event, half the group would be off with their families in the park. So that, you know, you get to a really, go to a really beautiful place, but you're motivated through demand management to come and sit and participate. All right, so this is the Pink Leadership Forum. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, I think in the end of August? Middle That's of August? Right. Yeah. Middle of August, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of pay attention to the industry. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was looking for, but the, the reason, the other reason I say that is because I, I was lucky enough to go with uh, David and, and crew over to Asia, which I thought, oh, how, how amazing, Asia. But I didn't realize it was the middle of summer and on the equator. <laughs> you know, so I was like, ah, I'm uh, crazy. So remote support agents. So yeah. I, I have some background with this. Can you kind of summarize the blog uh, for those people? And we'll put a link in the show notes. Right. So this actually kind of 
uh, goes forward from where we left off last time about distributed service desk yep. models, right? How you're always going to have people in your support structure kind of spread around. And this concept is there is a group of people that we typically place out forward deployed. Sometimes it's actually called a forward deployed support agent, right? Someone who's on the branch or at the branch proper, or they're sitting um, on the shop floor in the manufacturing environment. They're literally out beyond the corporate walls, out there among the business units, so they can be close, they can understand the business requirements, and they can be uh, quick and nimble when they need to be to support usually desktop or you know different types of application support. And what happens, what we find, what happens is this is done with good intention, and what we find often is that the person out there who is so remotely removed from the center, the carousel, mm. often goes rogue, goes native, to use another kind of analogy here. Yeah. And it's hard to pull them back in. And it's even more difficult if they were actually born out there and are paid by that uh, remote area. So people who are uh, geologically born and, and, and they've only ever done remote work, maybe people who are... Uh, you can have agents that are rogue who are allowed to work remotely now that we're in kind of a very mobile uh, decade and people can work from home a few days a week. Um, I would think there would be a lot of types of, of rogue agents, uh, whether they be physically or mentally rogue. Yeah, in fact, you can kind of walk through a, con- a continuum here. Yeah. So there are people who are paid uh, from a central function, a support yep. organization, and they're placed remotely out there. Okay, but their performance and their financial linkage is back to the home office. Then there are people that, again, are hired and paid and reviewed internally at the corporate, but uh, they have a dotted line. So there's there's an official understanding of relationship and or uh, accountability to maybe a business unit manager, again, in that remote area. Then there are people that are actually hired locally and are partially paid by both, right? So you have this kind of shared... I own part of you and the, the corporate owns part of you kind of concept. Then there are people that are hired locally and have really little formal relationship with the center other than a dotted line back to corporate. And then there are people that are hired and paid and reviewed locally and there really isn't any dotted line. They're really kind of remote support that's been hired within the business unit itself. This is where we talk about ghost deaths, right? And And kind of hidden support organizations that develop and develop because the local group has defined or they have believed that the central support isn't sufficient, so they need their own specialty. And this continuum has a great deal of influence on the willingness of that remote person to participate in common practice, as you could well imagine. In our podcast last week or last episode, it might have been the episode before, you made reference, uh, which I've used over and over and over again, about the concept of support literally being a base element on the periodic table of business. That's right. Or you will always, uh, and I loved that because, you know, now I want to develop a, a periodic table of business, you know, because support is a base element now and actually make that my first block. But so if that's true, you know, the idea of these remote agents that you're talking about, while it makes business sense, it seems like you might be messing with an unstable element. It's definitely a riskier one, but there's a reason we put them okay. closer to the business, closer okay. to the customer, closer to the region they're supporting, right? Uh, the same thing happens in a business where you know we have Rogers Telco. I see their trucks coming around. Now that could be a corporate truck that's running around, or it could be something that I'm that's been contracted to a, th- a third supplier, but they're representing Rogers, right? Right. 
that is still a remote support organization and how well they will enact with and participate with and be part of the overall common practice, corporate process. I'll call it enterprise process because that's a better way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. We have one process for support here. Um, Really will be on what structures we've put in place to make sure that the people that are distant cousins feel part of the family and play the game, right? Are participating in a common enterprise approach. So we're actually recognizing their differences and celebrating them, not forcing them as part of our enterprise process for support. In fact, this kind of goes into a different discussion is what is an enterprise process? Well, you and I do this a lot. (laughs) Right. I can have levels of continuum there, right? Right. We can have a do your own thing everywhere. Right. That's one model. We could have a center of excellence. Here's a you know a process definition and a set of content. Pull from this and make your own. Kind of you know build from this ingredient base. Then that's kind of uncontrolled still. Then you have this. Here's a set of core practices we all use, but you can add on top of core, core plus. So we've got regional different differentiation, but at the core level, we're all common. And then we've got no, we we need the common practice regardless. It's going to be the same hamburger at McDonald's wherever I go. Because that's the kind of consistency I'm looking for. Which works, because the first place I look for when I land on a foreign country is McDonald's. Because it, I know it's safe and it's going to be the same thing. So a business model would say, how do I want my forward deploys, my remote support agents, involved in the common practice? And that's, each one of those levels is a reasonable decision, but you got to make a decision and set it up that way. I, I bet you a lot of people just set it up and don't even think about that. Well, some companies, well, some places will actually set up, I'll use this business concept again, there's a non-Apple store in China <laughs> yeah, because they hired and built their own store and branded it Apple. And there's nothing doing with the corporate, right? This is simply they've built their own rogue support group and support function here. Now, was it in the article that I read this, yeah, about the service organization? And you and I had a podcast where we talked about a service organization and, and how it adapts to functioning, but we never really introduced, we just, you had a really great diagram, which we put in the show notes, I'll link to that, looking at the service, the office of the service management, I think is what we called it. Was that it? Service management office, absolutely. Okay. Am I doing good, Troy? Yeah. (laughs) So that's a central group that's trying to create practices for an enterprise approach, right? So they're part of the center of excellence approach for these remote support agents. Am I starting to string it together too fast? Well, again, they're creating an, they're creating a practice Mm. And then defining a set of conditions and criteria that would define how formal and how consistent we need that practice to be across the structure of whatever this process flows. Right. So, for example, the Rogers example with a third party third party contractor. And for those people who don't know, what is Rogers again? Because not everyone's in Canada. It's a telephony organization right. like AT and T and Verizon, and their local trucks go by in and Canada. They, you know, there. Okay. This is Canada. All right. Right. So even if they have a third party, they're going to wear the Rogers branded shirt. They're going to drive a Rogers truck and they're going to have some very strong terms and conditions in the contract that they will they will do things the way Rogers wants it done. Mm. There's contractual agreements to say, we accept you as a partner, but you're going to operate in this manner. That's like government contractors. Yeah. So it's an extension, right? Mm. Even though they're way out here in this remote suburb, they in fact are representing Rogers and they act and breathe as if they were a corporate employee. Now, that being said, they might um, externalize that service and it might be a different truck that shows up. But, you know, they're doing the, the business for Rogers in this community. So mm. the level of branding, the level of formality, level of consistency is actually a business decision. The same can be said for when we put a remote agent in the field at a branch level or in a, in a factory. 
what level we need them to comply with common enterprise process is a decision. So can I play devil's advocate? Yeah. You just put me in a factory because uh, I've, I've, I've been a level one agent. I will always be a level one agent. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Troy Boss, but you don't know what it's like here. I just can't do that process. Uh, I need to get this going, and 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 I need to I need to not follow your rule. And so, why why are you saying that, Chris? Let me understand your thoughts. So I understand what the unique requirements are. Okay, so we have a rule that basically, if we're going to you know update a system in any way, and I understand you guys over at the main headquarters have got all these systems, but here at the factory, we've got a couple systems, and I don't even know if you guys know they exist. I, I don't know what you use to make these decisions, but sorry, we need to actually go in and add and remove things to these systems uh, to keep them going. And they're unique uh, to to where we are. They really don't follow, I mean, we don't have the, the manpower you guys do. I don't know. I just, I need to tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm breaking your rule and I'm sorry. So the first thing I would have to do is test that unique because, you know, truly is it unique and totally isolated to that one that one branch, that one uh, shop floor, or actually, is it connected? Well, Troy, you can, you can test all day long. I've been here twenty years. You guys just acquired us, and I'm telling you, that's the way it works. Well, any process has to be tiered, right? And we have to understand the requirements based on risk. Ah, you're not going to let me play devil's advocate, are <laughs> you? Well, I am. I'm, I'm answering your question. What your perception is may not be the reality. No, no, and that's I, yeah, and, and that's the reality. And I deal, you know, I deal, and I've been that obstinate person that just doesn't want to follow the rules because we're unique and different. Uh, you you said uh, on one of the shows about you know somebody's actually got to get the work done. We all can't be designers. In in a lot of organizations, especially back when, between ninety eight two thousand two, when I was consulting, you know, government contractors was the was the best example of this. I'd be in, you know, one of the government agencies. You know, I'm not going to name them. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, I was at the government accounting office, and you know, and it was really interesting because there were contractors on the on the help desk, but the people who managed the desk were government employees. Yeah, and there was this just severe cultural disconnect. That was an us and them. Well, see, that's the thing. Are you part of the team or are you part of the group? Are you part of the family or are you just part of a collective? But doesn't that have to come from both entities, the organization which you're putting on the suit for and the organization that's actually paying your check? Yeah, so you this is this emotional attachment is a major part of it. So if you think back to that list of the con, the, the continuum list of I'm part of this corporate entity and just forward deployed or I'm actually paid and hired locally. Yep. This is whole view of connection or separation, disassociation or uh, family relationship. And the closer I feel to the enterprise, good, the more I'll willingly participate in enterprise process. The farther distance I feel, the less so. So that that vendor relationship becomes really strategically important, whether you're negotiating or maintaining it or terminating it, because as a as 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 the GAO, I can love and and, and nurture these support agents all day long. If their management is making them feel separate and disconnect, my cultural advances are kind of moot. Yeah, remember the conversation we had around supplier management, how I really dislike the, the term outsourcing because yep. it gives us this connotation that yep. I'm giving, I'm putting the work outside my boundaries. Yep. I would prefer insourcing be the term used for outsourcing because I got to bring those people into my family, into my value system, into my management systems and make them feel a part of that ecosystem. Like if I keep them at the end of my hand and say, oh, anytime you want to talk to me, talk to the hand, you're starting this 
relationship on disassociation. You're not part of me. It's interesting. On a personal level, it's almost like uh, I've had two types of service the past few years, and it's not because I'm rich, it's because I'm lazy uh, and I don't have kids. I've had someone clean my house who I got developed a relationship with, and I've also had a service. So one of those people actually became my family. And it's interesting how not only the levels of service, but the things I'm willing to tolerate roguely actually become more to the benefit of the person who has the personal relationship with me. I'll overlook it because they are on that family level, whereas I wouldn't overlook it with somebody with a stricter relationship. Or you've added, you've had this core plus, right? You have a certain set of criteria. You still, ex- you still expect the family member to be able to deliver, but you'll accept some regional differences because of that person. Yep. So this core plus is in play here. Not They're not just doing whatever they determine is good and saying, I've done, now pay me. Right, right. You've got this. You've got this balancing act. Interesting. The key is you've got to. If you want the person to participate in the process, they have to feel emotionally connected, financially connected. They have to feel connected. And the farther you you are away, disassociated in this model, the more difficult it is, and perhaps impossible it is for them to uh, participate or even be required to participate in your common practice. In fact, in that continuum, I would say there's a certain point of pass of no return. Beyond that, there is no common. It's just now we have to treat that external agent as a customer to the process, not part of the process. Mm. You know what I'm saying there? Yeah. I if, Again, you send my mind spinning because I'm thinking, you know, I set up Troy's panacea, which I always like to do in my head as we're talking. That's how I actually have these conversations. I'm actually thinking and living what you're saying. And then all of a sudden I actually introduced real physical humans like sea monkeys. And regardless of how perfect I have all those set up, they're nuts. They do whatever they think. <laughs> and I can condition them and make them part of the uh all right, sorry. Depending on the <laughs> the criteria depending on the relationship criteria. Did I just call people sea monkeys? I think you I did. did. Sorry. It's it's about the relationship you've established from the beginning. Yeah. If you have no relationship and there is no accountability between two parties, then that's a non starter. You either have to establish relationship or accept there is no relationship. Wow. There, you know, so those rogue support agents, just call them a customer. Don't call them rogue. <laughs> they're a respected customer and they're the person who's going to call into the service desk for that branch or that department's needs. Now, if they're going to be a customer, they have to enter the process as a customer. That means you're cutting off their back end entry points. Right. They're they're what makes them feel close. Right. Because right now they're enabled through this back office black market concept. Yep. And if you if they won't participate in your process as a family member, then that's fine. They have that option and we don't reject them for it. Brilliant. We simply say, okay, here's our offer. Here's here's the front door and you're free to interact, but you have to come through the front door. No breaking through the window. Yeah, and wipe your feet. Right, so you, you, we were, you, I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to remove your min access or yep. root access on the server. Yep. Uh, and if you need something done, then you'll have to come through the change process. If you don't wanna be part of the change process, you can certainly be a customer of it. You, you, you can use the back door with your muddy feet all day long. You know, so at some point, no relationship means I have no uh, no bearing or no basis for getting agreement on common. Mm. So the organization that's merged, that you've had a, a, a merger or an acquisition, and they never successfully bring these organizations together uh, as feeling like there's a commonality of purpose and, and goals and, and family entity, um, will struggle forever. It'll always be 
company A's process and company B's process. But you've seen this done. You've seen this successfully done. Yeah, I mean... Because there are people listening right now who go, oh my God, we're doomed. <laughs> or maybe, oh my gosh, sorry. One of the first things that we do uh, before we begin a transformation is we get agreement on a common vision. There has to even be a common definition of common what the vision is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Before we build the blueprint and do the roadmap, what does tomorrow look like? Do we all agree that's what it looks like? And do we all agree that's where we want to go? So there has to be this shared common value system. Just like a family has a common value system. So that's rogue agents. It's funny because you talked about treating the agent like a customer. That's only if they don't want to be if part of the family. If they don't want to be part of the family. The other day I was I was working and it, something dawned on me. And usually that's, if you ever see my tweets, it's literally, I thought of it that moment. It's not like I planned them. Um, it's very much like I act in real life. It just falls out of my mouth. And I, and I, I tweeted that, you know, our customers, if you're a business, are actually our employees. And it's our employees that actually support our customers. If you're if you're an organization, your customers are your employees. And and what you think are your customers are actually your employees' customers. And and you really and I, and it, the reason I tweeted that was because I thought there's so much value in empowering someone to make a difference for the for the ultimate person you're supporting, than circumventing the actual person who's going to support them and just saying we love our customer. Does that make sense? It does. In a, in a weird kind of Chris way. Yeah, I, I It's controversial. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We need, Ross, we need a sound fact for a weird kind of Chris way. <laughs> I am freaking brilliant. I, w- I would look at it as gaining agreement versus demanding compliance. And you've got to treat people with respect to get the agreement. You can't just audit them and basically wrap them on the fingers and expect they're going to love you for it, right? So you have to treat them with some level of uh, humanity. So, I mean, when you're talking about people, whether they be, you know, is there a difference between groups and teams? And, and, that's, and that's a good point. Yeah, I definitely think the concept of a group, and I've got this in my one of my blogs, is a set of individuals, yeah, or a collection of smaller groups, and they're all working in parallel according to some shared objective. So we've got this goal, but we're all working kind of at our own pace. It's kind of like the silo discussion we've had in the past where mm. we have ops and we have dev and they have mm. infrastructure and they're all working with, they think against the common goal of, you know, value delivery for IT, but they're not sharing common practices. So it's all, they're all spinning in different directions, very agile, but the velocity of their outcomes is very questionable because they're not working in the same concept together. This is a group. They're mm. all working against something in individual ways. A team, on the other hand, shares the same characteristics as a the group. They're working towards that common goal, but also they actually play according to the same value, the same predefined game plan. So the team is, going, is getting together with the coach before, the, before they run the play, and they're all agreeing on the play and all the parts in the play. And that team is going to win because they're going to have a unified approach to getting the goal. Versus a group is like a bunch of, you know, have you ever seen a bunch of uh, five-year-olds playing soccer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all just pounding at the ball in one big circle, and they all kind of just roll around the the, the, the uh, field depending on where the ball is. I wonder how many service desks have the, are we a group or are we a team? Because so many people use that, that old saying, there's no I in team. And you think, The thing is, I don't find the service desk is the issue. Because the service desk, because it's such a small functional group, unless we're talking multiple service desks distributed everywhere, they're a team because they're usually one functional department. But you called them a group first. Well, they're a group because they're a collective bunch of people. So you can so you can have teams and groups. A team will always be a group, but a group will not always be a team. That's the that should be the thunderbolt. Can we get a mini thunderbolt in here? A team is always made up of collection or group of people, but a team works against a common game plan. 
a group doesn't necessarily do so. Wow. I wish I actually had the uh, the bandwidth to, uh, to tweet that. That's really good. <laughs> but so the incident management, right? You have the functional service desk. They might be working as a team. But then you've got the second level and the third level, and you've got external suppliers, and they're all working towards this concept of support, but they're a group. They're not working against a team because they don't have a common process, nor do they share a common tool, nor are they sharing common data. So how can they be a team? We need one of our listeners to create a diagram with a team being you know, a small uh, group of people um, on a help desk, but then actually build out for us the... The and go all the way to humanity as the biggest team and work and fill in the middle part and submit it and uh, I'll give you uh, something free. I don't know what it is yet. Does this make sense though? Oh, freaking yeah! It yeah, made so much you, sense. I wanted to tweet, but I'm like, I can't tweet and think. When you've got one incident <laughs> process and one tool and one set of data, you've got a team, yeah. right across all the structures of whatever that support structure organization looks like, including those four deploys. But when you have everyone just kind of kicking the ball. On their own, you've got group. So you can have forward go- deploys that are a team, uh, and that's when they're you're doing the family model and they can use the front door. If you've got forward deploys who do their own thing, you actually become more of a group, and those become a new set of rules. In fact, that forward deploy person is, in essence— Come on, tell me I did good. Tell yes. me I did good. Amen. Hallelujah. You. you got it. Yes. Because um, the, the whole purpose of practitioner radio is to teach Chris something. <laughs> if that forward deploy is mm-hmm. part of the family, they're actually an extension of the service desk, yep. wherever that service desk is. Because they're taking the first call, whether that's tapping them on the shoulder or walking up to their cube, their first call resolution. Even if they're not in the functional service desk and they might conceive of themselves as something you know, higher or better because they get better pay or have a different title, like desktop support, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. You're out there, you're taking the first tap on the shoulder, you're, you're forward deploy, you're, you're part of the call center, baby. You're part of the service desk and you have to record the incident that you've just now received. After the fact, maybe... But you're still an extension of that service desk. Wow, what a way to do Friday afternoon, Troy. Is, there t- is that time already? I know. There, we might have to for for Pink 2012. And by the way, uh, are, is there still a call for papers or submissions? I don't know what we call it anymore. Oh, absolutely for Pink 13. Uh, Pink 13. Uh, people get your papers in for Pink 13. Yeah, we might have to make the Pink 13 Practitioner Radio a double extended session. Because did you know that was number three? I saw that. That was great. Service management organization. That's a hot topic, too. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's time for Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! So if you're unable to gain agreement and or participation from the different parts of your distributed support model, then you have two choices. You can either encourage them to be part of the family and participate with a shared value system, or... The option is for them to become a respected customer, and that's not a derogatory term. But they have to be one or the other, part of the family or a customer of the process. Well, I'm a customer of this process and a part of a great family at Pink Elephant and the IT service management industry. Troy, a pleasure as always, and thank you so very much for your wisdom. Have a great weekend. All right, bye-bye.